0: Good morning. For those of you who have no idea who I am, my name is Kirk Adams. I have the joy and privilege of being part of the well, leading the children and youth ministry team, Youth Next Gen. I'm wearing a t-shirt because we can. Um I'm sorry. There we go. I'll be I'll be louder, don't worry. Don't worry. This mic is going to move soon. So I'm used to speaking to children and youth, so please forgive me if my words are a little bit too big and I'm a little bit deeper than normal um, because your young people keep me on my toes. Um, We start speaking about the book of Judges and then we end up talking about the Trinity. Um, So yeah, we may go a little bit deeper today than what you are used to. Let's just pray. Father God, we come before you and we want to say thank you for this time of worship that we had. There's nobody like you. So we come before you today. We come before a God who literally we cannot begin to describe properly. So I pray, Father God, that as we, as we look at your word, I pray that you'll give me some, some of the right words to say. That only comes from you. I thank you that you have been in control this entire service. And that's not going to stop now. So, Father God, speak and maybe be willing to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And amen. Right, this is going to be a problem. Legacy, something we've been speaking about for the last little while. The concept of passing a gift, a possession, a set of values, belief, system, or tradition from one generation to the next. With the intention of the thing, the belief, the possession, the idea, the religion to last forever. Right, that's the plan. The plan is not for you to hand something down to somebody and for them to break it or lose it or destroy it. My grandparents, who are not here today, but my family is, they, they have this beautiful glass cabinet. It's glass all the way around. And I'm sure that that thing houses the Holy Grail. <laughs> because there is there's nothing in there that actually gets used. It just stands there. It's got glass inside, and it's completely glass. And it, it doesn't get touched unless it's by the dog that breaks the, <clears throat> yeah. And I must be honest, it's, it's a little bit of a dream of mine to bequeath this glass cabinet. One day, soonish, um, when my grandparents go and be with the Lord, I would love to get this glass cabinet. It's so special because I'd love to take a cricket bat and just smash it. Not because of the glass cabinet, but because it's glass. Why must it be in a house? We want to smash glass. Glass is fun. Don't give me glass things. <laughs> but that's not the point of a legacy, am I correct? No, it's not. The point is it needs to last and get passed on through generations and generations. Unfortunately for my grandparents, that glass cabinet is probably not going to last. I will think of them emotionally as we destroy it someday in Jesus name. (laughs) So today we continue talking about legacy, things being passed down from one generation to the next and we're going to be looking at the story of Joshua. So if you have your Bible, please open it up to Joshua chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, find a Christian, sit next to them. That, that will be helpful. If you have your cell phones, you can take them out as well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back a little bit as well. Is that okay? So we're going to start at Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to look at how we get to Joshua chapter 4. Now, I'm going to, at some stage, ask for some volunteers because this is a children and youth service, so we're going to get them involved. And I'm also going to need the worship team at some stage to come and help me as well. You'll find out soon. Moses is gone. Joshua has just taken over as leader of the Israelite nation, Israelite nation, sorry, and God promises him that as he was with Moses, he's going to be with him always. God's not going to leave him. And finally God says they're going to enter the promised land. God urges Moses, Joseph, Joshua, sorry, to be brave and tells him to get going. Just checking if you're awake. <laughs> Joshua does a quick check-in with Rahab, and then he sets out. But unfortunately, right away, he comes across his first obstacle. The Jordan River, and not just a Jordan River, this Jordan River is overflowing. It's gushing because of the time of year that it was. And it was just, it was, it was high, high, high tide, like I jumped into that Jordan River or something. And it was quite dangerous and treacherous. You finally got that one. Last week, Pastor Bevan spoke about how the, the relationship that the Israelite people had with large bodies of water. They were quite scared of large bodies of water because every single time they needed to go somewhere, there was this large body of water stopping them from wearing they need to be, where they needed to be. And it's moments like this that made that mindset and that tradition where there's a large body of water it equals bad and dangerous. But God was setting the stage. To prove himself again to the Israelite nation and to establish Joshua as the chosen leader. So worship team, I'm going to ask you to come up. You guys are the ministers and the Levites. So you had the honor of carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It's very heavy, right? So I want you to step in to the Jordan. Can you see the Jordan River over there? There we go. Hold it. Please don't drop it. Thank you. It's holy. There we go. Lovely stuff. Give them a round of applause. So so Joshua instructs the, the ministers, the Levites, the worship leaders as they were, to step into the Jordan River. And as they step in, can you see the water? It starts separating. And three meters deep water, 30 meters across, just starts disappearing. About 800 meters from where they stepped into the water. Can you see it? Do you see it? The water's not there anymore. Praise the Lord. God is good. I knew the trick was going to work. <laughs> and they had to stay there the entire time while the Israelite people were crossing. I've got about a half an hour to go, guys. <laughs> and this is where we pick up the story. You're going to stay there. I'll, I'll tell you when you can sit down. Joshua chapter 4 from verse 4 to verse 8, reads as follows. So Joshua called, out, called the, together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the twi- 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. I need 12 volunteers, preferably young people. Come stand next to me, 12 people. Now, on your marks, get set, go. Mike, young people, eh? Now I'm talking, come, Mike, come, Mike, come, Mike. <laughs> We've got three. We need another eight. My maths is on point. There we go. There we go. Awesome, awesome. How many do we have now? Six. Four more. Five. Oh, Lord. Three more. One, two, three, four, five, six. What are we on what are we on nine Nine. three more yes yes come 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 i need 12. i'm not i'm not counting come come don't have to be young we can have some old people as well mom no. i need 12 otherwise the trick doesn't work here we go there we go beautiful come 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 here come here are we on 12 awesome stuff now these are the 12 representatives are we on 13. 12. Awesome. That's fine. At the back, behind the Ark of the Covenant, I want you to go and fetch a stone inside the black crate. And I want you to come and lay them in front of you and build a nice pillar. Right? Each of you grab one stone. Here we go! Right here! Right here! Right here! No, no, you can't! You're not in the Jordan River, guys. Here we go! Here we go! At Gilgal. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can go once you can. Thank you, Sarah. Keep holding! Keep holding! Oh, one person would be there. Right, you guys can have a seat. Give them a round of applause. So the men and women did as Joshua had commanded them. They took the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan River, each one from each tribe, and they placed it where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Thank you very much. You guys can have a seat and the river started flowing, not yet, let's wait for them to get out, there we go, and the river started flowing. Now this practice was not something new to the Israelite people. They had been building what they call standing stones for a long time. As nomads, which they were, the patriarchs worshiped Yahweh in the wilderness, and they built temporary shrines that would have two categories. Now please excuse my pronunciation, I'm doing Greek, not Hebrew. Um, the first category was called Mizbeach. <coughs> and this was the altar where they would sacrifice. And the second was Masaba, a pillar which would be a memorial. And this is what the second category was the 12 stone memorial was a Masaba, along with other memorials like Jacob's memorial at Bethel, Samuel's pillar called Ebenezer, and Moses' memorial at Sinai. And these stones themselves were a reminder of the fact that Yahweh is described in Genesis chapter 49 verse 24 as the rock of Israel, the word that Joshua himself used when he called for the stones to be brought. The word, in, interestingly enough, is a very special word to me. It is the word iabin, as in Eben etzebeth, right? That's what it, his, name, his name means stone. And I thank the Lord for him yesterday, he was wonderful. Oh, God is good. God is good. Just just thought I'd put that out there. And when Joshua does this tradition, when he does this, the people of Israel immediately know that this is a standout, special moment for them. This was a moment that they needed to remember forever was something that every time they walked past they needed to know, hey God was good. God did that, God did that. But the question is, why on earth would they even need reminding? Just think about it for a moment. You rock up at what is probably my favorite beach, Boulders Beach, I love Boulders Beach. And as I step into Boulders Beach the water just goes. Just imagine that for a moment you step in and obviously you needed to get to the other side so the water just disappears why would you ever forget such a special moment the impossible happening you didn't have a safe passage it was dangerous the water was running and you step inside this Jordan River and it opens up why would you even need a reminder but unfortunately There came a time when they didn't remember anymore. Joshua's instructions from God were that whenever a child asked what were the stones meaning, somebody would tell them that actually this is a moment where God showed up, the Jordan River split, and we could cross and start our entry into the promised land. It was a story of God's goodness and provision, His protection, and like His all-around awesomeness this was what these pillars this pillar meant but let's fast forward the story of the Israelites 40 years not long 40 years later Joshua unfortunately is dead and this is what the Bible says happened Judges chapter 2 verse 8 to verse 11 Joshua's son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of hundred and ten. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance, at Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Goash. Don't worry about those names. Worry about this. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, in other words, after that generation had died, another generation grew up who neither knew God or what he had done for Israel. After the whole generation had been gathered to the ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord or what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Something unfortunately went horribly wrong. The memorial was still there. In fact, if you go to the holy city now, as they call it, and you go on one of the tours, you will see the 12 stones that Joshua had laid there. But unfortunately, at some stage, as the Israel people started walking past the pillars, and they started walking past, at some stage, this memorial no longer meant anything. It was just a whole lot of stones standing on top of each other. How scary is that? That at some stage, they forgot what God had done <coughs> for them. And the kids weren't asking, what do these stones mean anymore? You know young people, in fact, they had walked past these stones so many times that the question was, what, they stones? They didn't even know. This monument of God's goodness it lost its significance. Not because God had changed. Let's get that clear. But because the story had stopped being passed on. God didn't lose his sovereignty. He didn't stop being God. But because of their forgetfulness and their ignorance. Yahweh stopped being God to them. And it wasn't a long time. It was 40 years. I'm 31 years old. Don't look at it, eh? So nine years added to my life, in the space of my life and nine years, an entire generation forgot that God opened the Jordan River. They'd forgotten what he had done. So very quickly this morning, two things that I feel God is wanting to say to us from this story. One, I feel God is calling us again to intentionally remember. The reality is that because of how the Israelite people were, they didn't stop passing on the story. They just kept telling the story. But unfortunately, the story just became a tale. Something that they told the next generation without the meaning of who God was. The fact that we can today know who put the stones there and why they were put there means that the tradition was passed on. Someone was telling the story but the significance had been lost. Because it wasn't calling the year to intentionally remember God. So we must remember his faithfulness. The stories of Yahweh are not made up stories, they're not fictional stories, no matter who says that they are. They tell the story of a God who actively is involved and invested in the lives of a people who, unknown to them, are actually 100% reliant on him. Time and again, he parts seas, he provides food, he provides protection, and he grants victory. Remember in those 40 years that Joshua was still alive, actually God had still been doing amazing things. God didn't stop in those 40 years. He provided victory again and again and again. But at some point, that victory stopped being God's victory. But Israel's. They became a great nation, conquered many enemies, and started to consider the victory their own. This is evident in the way that they started to disobey God, little by little, to the point where 40 years on, not one person remembered God or what he had done. They neglected the faithful God. And God wants us today to remember his faithfulness. God doesn't ever want us to forget what he's done or who he is. And this morning, the first thing I want you to take a moment to just think of. What are some of those moments in your life that stand out as God did this? What are some of those moments in your life where if you look back over my 31 years, some of you a lot more, some of you a lot less, this is God. Remember his faithfulness. But secondly, possibly the most important thing to remember is the presence of God. When Moses dies, Joshua immediately gets the message from God, it's time to go. And he can act on that message because he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to be with him. Yes, because God said so, but also because of the fact that Joshua had spent time preparing in the presence of God for this moment it wasn't something that just happened one day when Moses died there's a beautiful story in Exodus 33 where Moses has just set up the tent of meeting where they were supposed to come and this is where the the presence of God was so the whole nation was supposed to come and meet with God but because of the fact that the Israelites were brooks right they didn't go into the tent of meeting I'm sorry scaredy cats um they, they stayed in their own tents. So when Moses went into the tent of meeting, they stayed in their tent and watched. And God was doing amazing things, but they stayed in their tent. And Joshua, who was actually the, the he wasn't supposed to be there. He's, he's nobody. Moses was the man, but Joshua wanted the presence of God. So when Moses went in, Joshua went in with him. I'm not missing the presence of God. And then actually, To the point where Moses was like, okay, I've had enough now. Let me take a break. And Joshua stayed. And Joshua stayed. And Joshua stayed. Why? Because he knew that at some stage, he's going to need the presence of God. When we forget the significance of God's presence, we start to move further and further away from the original plan that God had with Adam and Eve. Remember, they used to walk together. Adam and Eve and God used to go for evening walks. Now, I hope that one day we'll have cars in heaven because I'm not the walking type. I want to, like, put some music on and chill with God in the car. We don't need to be walking, right? That's no, no, no. But that is how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be having communion all the time with God. And unfortunately, not only did they forget what God had done, they forgot that this was the God who wanted to be near to them. And he wants to be near to us. Possibly as the Israelite people started to conquer more and more of the promised land, they moved further and further and further away from what they had set up. Physically, they moved further away, but spiritually, they had stopped coming back to the thing that reminded them whose victory it was. When we consider this generations of passing on faith to one another, and we're going to look at that in a minute, we need to start at the fact that actually we need to have a faith that we want to pass on. And that faith that gets passed on is found and built in those moments and the presence of God. So think of those moments in your life, the pillar moments, where God showed up in amazing ways. Small ways, but you knew it was God. Big ways, but you definitely knew it was God. Remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the presence of God. I think specifically of one moment in my life. I like telling stories. I'm sorry, so I'm going to do that. I was 16, 17 years old. Actually, no, I was, I was 18. It was my 18th birthday. And I was at school. I went to Westford, which is much better than Binance. Um <laughs> Love you. And... While I was off, it was one of those days where we were doing something I was maybe practicing for the choir because I was a nerd and things like that. And it was an evening and my dad was late to come and fetch me. And while we were standing at the gate, I had just gotten a new cell phone, I think, for Christmas and I'd gotten 30 rand airtime for my birthday. God is good. God is good. I just bought a new uh, ringtone. No. And... As I was standing there, my friend was with me and another guy who had, was an instrumentalist. Two guys came into the school, and they asked, do I know where such and such a street was? I said, no, I'm not from here. I'm from Mitchell's Plain. I just come to the rest of it." And they turned around, and they walked out. And as they walked out, they turned back, and they took out their gun. And they showed it to me. And they said, right, give me yourself. I'm like, no, nah, man, I just got this phone. Give me my airtime back at least no I didn't I wasn't that brave and I remember giving my cell phone and my friend gave his cell phone and the 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 guy said right now turn around and run and don't look back otherwise we're going to shoot you now you must know I wasn't always this big but that day as a prop my friend was the flank and he also played center some days I outran him so much (laughs) he couldn't touch me that day I wish I had a rugby ball in my hand but I got home that day and on my 30 rand airtime card, because it used to come in a card back then, empty in still back in the day. I wrote, God, I don't know why you spared me today, but I'm here. And I remember a couple of months later, I went on a, a Christian Union leaders' camp. Yes, I was that big a nerd. Um, and your, where's Annie? Your roommate was with me as well that day. And we spent some time praying about, for one another, some prophetic prayers. And I remember all of them who I didn't really know because I was cool and they were a little bit too Christian for me. So I went with, but I was, nah. And they were asked to draw pictures. And one of the pictures that I'll never forget, I don't know who it was, drew a picture of me Standing. With hundreds and thousands of kids in front of me and the, the word that they got there Kirk you are called to minister to these kids you are called to be a teddy bear to these kids that's why I put on so much weight to fulfill the <laughs> prophecy <laughs> but those are pillars in my life that I look back on and in the days when ministry is difficult last day of holiday club and you're exhausted that's the picture that I go back to. Because that's what I'm called to. Anyway, I'm very distracted. That was not in my notes. So I apologize profusely. We are called to remember because those are the moments. Those are the moments that we turn back to when it's difficult and it's hard and you can't anymore and you have to put up with Matthew, Welby, Solomon again. You go back to what God has called you to. We call to remember. But we also call to impart. We will use these stones, Joshua 4 says, to build a memorial. And in the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. And 40 years later, nobody knew. Imagine the difference that God would have made in the book of Judges. If at some stage somebody just went back to the stones and reminded themselves of what God is capable of and they don't need to do on their own. The book of Judges and beyond. All because they forgot. And they forgot to impart. Somewhere the legacy stopped being passed. Now, when I look back at holiday club it was wonderful but two of the things that stand out to me was in the mornings when each age group would have an opportunity to be in that room over there and they would do what's called small groups and what would happen was the leader would sit down and they would have learnt the story or heard a few verses in the morning and they'd go back and they'd discuss it and they'd see what God was wanting to tell them from that story I sat over here sometimes writing letters and things and just walking around and it was so amazing seeing our young leaders speaking into the lives of these young kids and i don't know how much of it they're gonna remember but at some stage those seeds that were planted is gonna grow at some stage they will remember those moments where they were sitting with that leader and they were asking questions, and sometimes they were annoying the leader, and sometimes they were trying to move around, but they were being told things about God. Things that I pray will change their life forever. That's one of the standout moments. The other standout moment for me was things that happened in the church. In the evenings, our leaders would then have an opportunity to just, ah, with their prayer partners. And I didn't have a prayer partner, because actually part of me just wanted to be alone in that space because i was around people all the time but it was so good sitting on the stage sometimes playing guitar sometimes playing music at the back just seeing the conversations with some of our older generation not old older generation and our leaders and sometimes the leaders sitting there crying and the mucus is flowing in the eyes and the eye shadow everything was messed up But it didn't matter because they were having conversations about what God had done and what God was doing and what God was going to do. When I saw that, I saw a legacy being passed on. Because that's what we call to, to impart. And at Holiday Club, we saw the concept of cascading faith through generations in action. But I want to say it's not enough. It's not enough. The biggest crime we can commit as a church and as a congregation is failing to continue those conversations. Failing to build on the relationships that were, that were built. Failing to connect again on those levels. If we truly care for the lives of those kids that walk through the door, and if we truly care about the leaders that so willingly gave that week, we cannot stop. We need to keep telling them about our stones about the faithfulness of God and his presence we need to keep building the legacy very quickly in my seven months here I've realized the significance of children's ministry and holiday clubs specifically at PBC and it's amazing to see your investment and again I want to say thank you for the prayers and everything that you did as a church but I've also seen as a result the legacy of what happens when that stops. For 30 years, we didn't have the opportunity of having a holiday club. And we've seen the results of that in the numbers of leaders that we have, in the number of kids that we have in our ministries. And more importantly, we've seen it in the names that we've lost. In preparation for Holiday Club, I had lots of fun watching some of the leaders who were very, very young do the things. But it broke my heart to see 40 leaders and I only know three. 40 leaders and I've only ever seen maybe five or six. Because unfortunately, as good as Holiday Club was, we forgot to do that in the difficult time of COVID. And We're not blaming anybody. Life was tough. But we've got an opportunity now to rebuild the legacy. Those people that we've lost, I pray at some stage we'll find them again. And more importantly, they'll find Jesus. If they don't find it here, they can find Jesus somewhere else. But never again do I want to be looking at photos of Holiday Club and not knowing people. Because it's heartbreaking. Those are people who possibly don't know the goodness of God. Don't know the stones. They forgot them. And as a church, I believe that is what God is calling us to do. So I end. And I ask the question, when last did you remember and pass on your story? When last did you sit with someone, and I'm not just talking about outside in the world that needs God. Yes, they need God. But I'm talking about in, in here. When last did you have a conversation with someone about what God has been doing in your life? And had that opportunity of they see you every day in church, or every Sunday, or whenever you come. When last did you say, this is what this pillar means in my life? This is what God has done here In my life. Maybe it's been a while. Maybe it's been a while since you've remembered the goodness of God in your life. And you need to say to God, God, remind me again. Remind me what you did. And help me not to try and do it on my own. And maybe it's been a while that you've sat with someone and said, you know what? God has done this. Because there are people, and I want to say it to you, I, I work with our young people, I work with our kids, they want to hear the stories. They will tell you that they've heard it a thousand times before, but they want to hear it because they are going through things in their lives that needs your input, that needs to see the stones again, because unfortunately, some of them are living and they don't have those pillars they've never gone through some of the things but they need to see what generations have gone through and the victories that God has given what is God calling you to remember and what is God calling you to impart I'll call the worship team up and I'm just going to I'm going to pray Father God, we come before you and we want to again acknowledge your faithfulness. We acknowledge the fact that in everything that we faced in our lives, you've been present and you've been wanting to be involved. And sometimes we've forgotten your faithfulness and we've neglected your presence. So I pray, Father God, that even as we we consider that you'd bring to remembrance what you have done. And possibly even rebuild those pillars in our hearts and in our minds. Stand out moments of God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his love. I thank you for for the fact that you've placed people on our our way that are, are there to learn from us and us from them. I pray, Father God, that you'd give us Spaces and times to impart the goodness of God into the lives of others. That not another generation will pass that doesn't know you. And what you've done in our lives. I thank you that we are called as well to be living stones. Daily telling what you have done. Help us to remember. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.